Hi, this is Kaneke and Alina, your personal supporters that are here to help you feel truly special. We are on a mission to help you understand your dynamic nature and appreciate your unique talents. By helping you balance your yin and yang energies within, we can foster healing in our global community, one woman at a time. If you want to explore the opportunity to work with us individually, please shoot us an email at herlifecompass at gmail.com. That is H-E-R-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-P-A-S-S at gmail.com. Hello, everyone. This is Alina. So happy to be back on in this special podcast episode, we'll be diving deeper into the topic of bias and more specifically how to challenge bias, our internal biases, as well as how we can challenge bias that is directed at us. Hello, everyone. My name is Kaneke. And again, as usual, we are very excited to unpack a different topic today and in light with the month of March, where it's primarily associated with promoting and advocating even more the topic of diversity, equity and inclusion. I'm very passionate about this topic and super excited to go on this journey together with Alina. Happy spring, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two fresh beginnings on that topic of fresh beginnings. My question to you, Kaniki, is what is bias and how does bias look like internally and externally? Wow, very broad question. And as always, I like to start with scientific explanation of what bias is and why we have it. <laughs> Probably those of you who have attended unconscious bias training within your corporate setting, you probably know this, but those of you who have never heard of that, I think it would be a good, useful piece of information. Bias, again, is tied towards the instincts of survival. The bias has been in our brain ever since we were created as humans with the aim to help us safe. So bias would be able to keep us safe through detecting what's the potential danger that's around us based on our past experiences of what we encountered as dangerous, bias started associating certain things as negative, certain things as positive, and that's how it started navigating and imprinted in our DNA. And over the years, when we look at us as humans, it has been formed, of course, the element of nature and nurture. It passed through the DNA and us evolving as humans, but it also translates to us in this life, the environment that we were born to, what has been a norm for us, what's our knowledge and understanding what's right and what's wrong and therefore it's a combination of both so whatever seems to be associated as negative to one person could be associated as positive to the other person so it's quite very subjective from the scientific research how many biases are there oh many so i don't know the exact number but literature says it's more than 150 types of biases that exist and wow. the fascinating fact is that our human brain processes 11 million pieces of information per minute wow yeah. every minute we are exposed to 11 million pieces of information but how much of that everybody who's listening to us do you think our brain processes consciously out of 11 million pieces of information hmm, let me take a guess out of 11 million <laughs> pieces of information in a minute, our brain consciously processes, I would say, I don't know if I'm being optimistic, a hundred pieces of information. Am I close? close? enough, close enough, Alina. <laughs> 
40 to be precise wow. on average 40 pieces of information which is scary 40 it's like a teeny weeny piece out of 11 million pieces of information that we are exposed to it's scary that like 99.9999% of everything else our brain processes unconsciously for us creating those shortcuts based on the experience that we have had of what is safe and not safe for us my brain is blown Okay, so now going back to biases, the pieces of information that's stored subconsciously then becomes a type of bias, if I'm making the yep. assumption correct, because yep. it's not conscious. It's something that we make in the back of our mind. I'm not sure if you've read the book, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, and he talks about mm -hmm. two systems of our brain. The first system, which is more of like conscious approach and how we make decisions every day, knowing what we're doing. And then there's system two, everything we're processing subconsciously uh, mm. on a deeper level. So tell me more about the types of biases and how often do you see that maybe in your coaching frameworks when you work with people? So I used to facilitate a session on unconscious bias, and that's why I'm very aware of my own biases. And there are over 150 types of biases that exist, but I guess the challenge and the importance is to catch yourself in action when you all of a sudden feel so good or so bad about anything. And when we say bias, it doesn't necessarily have to be something negative. Bias could be positive bias, negative bias, constructive or destructive effects. So, you know, different angles towards bias. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's always bad. And I think one of the common, it's that hollow effect, horn effect, recency effect. You know, there's so many things that help us to either favor somebody or disfavor somebody else. One of the biases that I caught myself once was accent bias. The moment it starts impacting your decision towards somebody about anything, that's the time you start questioning yourself why you were so quick about that. So I was delivering a training in one of our offices in London and we invited a speaker who was from Netherlands. And when he started presenting the same seconds, I was like, oh my God, this speaker is so good. I I had an immediate trust towards what he was saying. I felt positive about his message, the presentation. And I stopped myself like, hold on, you're seeing him presenting for the first time. And why all of a sudden you've got such huge trust towards this person? I caught it in action. I realized he's got the same accent that had one of my previous managers that I worked with. He was also from Netherlands and he had the exact same accent. My brain associated that accent as something positive because that colleague of mine, he was very positive, supportive of the learning and development, very encouraging. And all of my experiences working with him were only positive. And that's why my brain automatically captured that specific accent as something positive. And the moment I heard somebody with this accent, I immediately trusted them. And it's like, no, 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 no. These are two completely different people. Detach yourself and let's look at this picture more objectively. So it's very important, even in coaching, it's very important to question yourself. Why all of a sudden you feel immediately positive or negative? Why is it so easy for you to make a decision towards this specific thing or that specific thing? And it's a moment you need to stop yourself, take a pause and ask yourself a question to just challenge that. Oh, that is so powerful. And anyone that's listening to us, I'm sure we've all been in a situation where we meet someone and in a split of a second or two seconds, we already make that decision whether we like them or not. And if we dig a little deeper and we unpacked into that thought process and that decision-making process, we may run into that bias. We may or may not like this person because one, they remind us of someone else in 
the、mm-hmm. past too. They trigger a certain emotion or memory from the past of the way they speak or the the pace they speak. I actually have an example of that because I myself as well caught myself in a not a very positive bias, like you said, because you really <laughs> like that person. For me, it's quite the opposite. I have a bias, and I'm not sure which type of bias you would file it under. For example, I am very impatient with slow talking or with people that are generally just slower than、hmm. what I think is normal. But again, this is just my personal projection. And I believe I shared this with you two weeks ago, where I found myself in a situation where I was like, okay, this person is really boiling my <laughs> blood right now. I think it was just a work setting. And it was because, and I and I kept thinking, this person is the sweetest person ever. This person is so nice and kind, but there's just something about this person that I just want to shake them up. And I realized that it has nothing to do with them, but it was something to do with my own bias. And that、mm. is that I find people that are slow talkers or slow movers generally not maybe as competent or not as active. And throughout my thinking, I realized that I have this bias that is stemming from my past experience. When I was working with lawyers, my one of my first jobs, I was working at a law firm in New York City, in Manhattan, in a very fast-paced environment, and this is where I have shaped my worldview of what professionalism means in a corporate environment.、Mm. And one of the traits that you saw in almost every single person or every lawyer is quick, the quick thinking,、mm. quick moving, impatience, because that translated a certain sense of confidence and drive to succeed. Because I've received that as a feedback towards myself. Okay, you gotta keep it going. You gotta go, 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 go. I mean, generally, New York City is very, very, very fast-paced. I think any big city is like that. And so, when you move or you find yourself in different situations and you end up working. With someone that is completely different, it triggers a certain emotion, and so for me, that was a revelation because I realized, wow, like I think I have this bias towards people that are slow movers because it's stemming from my past experiences where I thought that being fast and being quick is thing of confidence and competence, but really, is it? To build on that, what I would like to say is when the brain encounters a gap. An unknown area, the brain automatically tries to fill it up with assumptions. Usually, <laughs> those are negative assumptions. It's very important to challenge those assumptions. I can give you another example because that's how the bias kicks in. An example is my little one. He goes to school here, and he asked for a playdate with a friend from his class. And I was like, okay, sure. So I was exchanging messages with the mom of that son. It's like, hey, do you want to go for a playdate? Maybe your son can come over to. Our house, and she's like, no, my son doesn't go for playdates without me. If you want, I can come along with him, but he's not going for any playdates alone. And my mind automatically filled this gap with, oh my god, what's wrong with her? Is it something that she doesn't trust about me? So I automatically associated there's something wrong with me or something wrong with her. My brain automatically classified it as weird, negative. Then I went for a playdate, and we had coffee and tea, chatting, and she explained. Context. She said she and her ex-husband are separated, and they have an agreement. Anything related to their son has to be agreed and aligned between both of them. Even such things as play date alone, it needs to have the consent of both parents. But getting the consent is very time-consuming. It's stressful. She also, so she said, you know, to make it much easier, it's. It's best for me to come with him, and I don't have to go through the hassle of getting the agreement and consent from my ex-husband. And it was like, wow, 
I caught myself immediately like, oh my goodness, my brain automatically filled this gap with some negative associations and interpretation of what could have resulted to her decision. But when you speak to that person, you challenge those assumptions of yours and you realize, wow, the whole story behind it is completely different from what I envisioned. That is very powerful. And it, that makes me think about the way we show up in our relationships sometimes, whether friendships, whether our romantic relationships at work, we tend to think that there's something wrong with the other person because they don't fit a certain criteria or framework within our own mind. And I think that mind and the limitations can be seen as these biases that are inputting these limiting beliefs of how we think other people should be. So this I feel like result in interpersonal communication issues or interpersonal conflicts, miscommunications, because we either try to change the other person to see the world mm. the way we want to see the world, or we try to prove something to other person. But really, everybody has a different perception of reality. And oftentimes, those perceptions of realities can be resolved through open communication, but of course, open mind, and also that awareness, that self-awareness of our own internal biases. So my next question would be, now that we've covered internal biases and how they can show up, how can we challenge bias that we think is directed at us? For example, in the same similar situation of a relationship, we believe that the person is being unfair and they're trying to change us because of their own perceptions. How can we deal with that? In any relationship, I always say focus on things that you can control or influence or change. The other individual might have certain triggers, experiences, reasons for acting that way. And because they operate from their perception, this is the right way. There's always the best intention behind any of that. What we need to keep in mind, always assume a positive intent behind anything and don't get triggered automatically, but ask that question, clarify what's the logic behind it, what's the reasoning behind it, and see what's leading to that. It's very important to understand what is the current context that the person is living in, because personal, professional, everything, all of those factors impact how we feel and how we think and how we react in any given circumstances. We as being being mature individuals, being aware that this takes place, it's very important for us to stop, pause, try to understand the positive intent behind the requests coming through and then help the person whatever way you can to clarify those things. When it comes to yourself as the individual who's receiving that, it's always important to fill the gap with more information rather than instinctive interpretation of what could that be. One thing you said is we get triggered when we feel like something or someone is attacking us, right? We feel like, okay, when we are in confrontation, we feel attacked and we get defensive really because we get triggered. One way that has helped me to navigate through these triggers is to ask myself, why am I being triggered? What is it about this statement is triggering me? Is it the tone of the voice? Is it the words or is it the context or am I just having a bad day? Because mm -hmm. all of these circumstances have an effect on the way that we perceive and understand communication, which is why we love Gallup Strength Finder MBTI, because really what it gives us is the tools of understanding how people communicate and how people perceive information, because those are two different things. One person can communicate a certain way, but the other person may not perceive that communication in that same way. So we need to be mindful of our differences so that way we can communicate more strategically in a way that the other person understands 
understands us. So when we are triggered, instead of fighting or having that fight or flight response, which is coming from our sympathetic nervous system, one great way to do it is to connect to our parasympathetic nervous system. I feel like I always talk about this and that is <laughs> take a deep breath in through your nose, take a breath out through your nose, take a moment, do not react, reflect, connect to your parasympathetic nervous system, and then clarify. Hey, I heard this. Can you tell me what you meant by that? What I'm hearing is X, Y, and Z. Am I hearing you right? Or am I mm. being triggered? Can you clarify your intention? Because I assume that you have the best intention for us or for this relationship, whichever relationship dynamic this might be in. So that way, you know, you can stop that conflict because it's not productive. And so when we do that, we have these aha moments just like you had with mm -hmm. that mother in the play park because you had an opportunity to actually clarify and discuss and you're like, oh my God, yes. And you felt so much better. And now mm. you know better for the next time to not assume or make those types of assumptions instantaneously because you know that there's different scenarios that can exist. And oftentimes mm. somebody's just having a bad day. They haven't eaten. They might be going through something. It's important to get to know that person and to understand understand where they are coming from so that way we can be better for each other on that i would like to remind to our listeners that remember it's not all about you as a friend of mine always says Kinike, the universe is not circles around you what i would like to remind everybody the moment you feel that you're interpreting that you are the victim of the situation that something is wrong and da, 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 try to step out of this situation and look at it as a side observer because the reality is the other person might not have any intention to hurt you but we tend to automatically victimize ourselves because it's faster and easier to say oh because I'm this or oh, because I'm that and as you said the moment we start clarifying talking understanding the context behind it it makes total sense and us as individuals have no relevance towards why these people reacted or responded or communicated one way or another i love that and the analogy i have for that is perfect you know how i told you that i'm always thinking i'm in my own movie i'm the main character yeah <laughs> i actually had an aha moment i realized that we are all in our own movies and when i meet you i need to understand that you are in your own movie right now mm. and i'm in my own movie mm -hmm. and i'm just a character in your movie and you're just a character in my movie but the main exactly. character remains us when we're having a relationship where we're dealing with people remember that they are in their own movie they're the main characters in their own movie and we are side characters in their movie same thing with us so we may think that the world circles around us but guess what everybody thinks the same way about themselves <laughs> At the start of the episode, I've mentioned about how we operate and how things are done unconsciously most of the time by our brain, given that we can consciously process only 40 pieces out of 11 million pieces of information. The way we do that, we, you and me, we could be in the same room watching the movie or going for an event. But the way we interpret everything around it's going to be different. You're going to experience it differently and see things differently, hear things differently. And I will be experiencing, hearing, seeing everything differently in our separate movies. How? Because the brain develops those individual perception lenses and focuses only on the aspects that are important and relevant to me individually based on my current priorities, needs, desires and wishes. That explains again what you said, you know, I have my own movie. <laughs> 
and you have your own movie we could be going through the same experience but if people ask us we're gonna have a completely different interpretation of what that experience was for us mm, i believe scientifically it's called confirmation bias would that be filed under confirmation bias if we believe if we have certain beliefs we tend to look for pieces of information that would confirm our own sense of belief could be because the way i saw that when i was pregnant all of a sudden i started seeing all the pregnant ladies around me like oh my goodness is it the baby boom period no it's not it's just something <laughs> that you focus now and you're confirming yourself that oh maybe it is a, a baby boom period so it's what the brain zooms into that helps us to realize what's important to us and on that note we can wrap up on a positive note my favorite type of bias is the placebo bias which is the placebo effect and that is that you kind of similar to confirmation bias like you said what you focus on you will see in your real life so the placebo effect or the placebo placebo bias works where we, for example, they did this research for people with high blood sugar and they prescribed them this medication that was actually not for high blood sugar. It was something that was aspirin or something that was not for that. But the patients, because they believed that they had the medication to treat their high blood pressure, they found that their blood pressure actually went down. But mm -hmm. the reason wasn't the actual medication. It's because the person truly believed that this medication would help them. So with that finding in mind, it goes back to say that we can navigate and choose the world we live in by the types of thoughts and emotions that we choose to focus on. Like you said, assuming positive intent and focusing on positive thoughts and emotions. And we will see those things around us, truly believing it. And the more we think in positive ways, the more we feel more positive. And the more we feel positive, we see positivity around us. And the more we see positivity around us, we attract more positive things into our life. Uh, Of that. On this positive note, that's all for today. My name is Kamike. And my name is Alina. Until next time.